You are listening to Fun with Dick and Jack. Throws it up in the air, says a prayer, and Janice does a stop. Oh, please! What a catch! That's insane! Oh my, that may be one of the great throws ever made. Listening to Fun with Dick and Jack. I am Chris Blake here, who, as always, with my friend Jack Rieger. That's just, that's just good stuff. I hate it, but that's good what, stuff. What the intro? Oh yeah, yeah. It would have been a lot better if uh, we don't give up a seventy-yard pass to Larry Fitzgerald right afterwards. Yeah, you think all the all the momentum's going your way, come back in that game, make me lose my bet and whatnot, and then yeah. just, ugh. Well, it's is, is that the greatest? playoff game you've ever seen i actually didn't get to see it unfortunately once again i was working but i got to listen to it someone's got to pay the bills (laughs) at our house but got to see all the highlights crazy game man i mean that's that's one of those games where as a better um you bet and you know you don't deserve to win that game because the cardinals did not show up as i thought they would i don't know man it's just it's one of those where if they would have won by seven they're up by seven yeah. I would have felt lucky. Well, you look at that game going into halftime. Green Bay has pretty much dominated going into halftime. I don't think anyone saw that coming. I mean, if you if you listen to what people on like ESPN and Fox are talking about going into that game, it's you know Carolina's winning by ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, it shouldn't be a, an ultra competitive game. Cardinals. Uh, yeah, sorry, Arizona. You got the Panthers on your mind. It it was a great like it was a great game. Uh, even as a Packers fan, I really enjoyed it start to finish. I mean, I think the turning point is Sam Shields dropping that interception in the fourth quarter. Yep. That was sort of heartbreaking. And then you have that the tipped tip, touchdown. Tipped touchdown. Um, it's just like, you know, as a Packers fan, I feel like I've seen so many of these overtime losses that are just gut-wrenching. And then Which you, you, you've got to feel lucky to be in that position of overtime really a hail mary oh no kidding you're gonna tell me that Rodgers is the best hail mary quarterback of all time well let's talk about that i mean i, th- I think i've heard a little bit is the hail mary is you know is Rodgers just getting lucky over and over again or is he legitimately a talented hail mary thrower more so than the average quarterback is that his skill set well here's the way i look at it he is a great quarterback in the sense that he can get out of the pocket, he eludes pressure, and he has a great arm, and he slings the ball down the field. So you put all those together, of course he's going to be good at Hail Marys. But I can't sit here and say that put the Packers in that situation and I'm going to say, oh, that's all right. We have Aaron Rodgers throwing a Hail Mary. Like, we are going to win or we're going to at least tie in this game. You know what I mean? Like, so you don't feel any better with Rodgers making that throw than, say, a Kirk Cousins? Um, or a uh, Matt Ryan, or a Tom f- Brady. So, so the first, the first hail mary against the Lions. You remember that one very yeah. well. Yep. That was amazing. Not a very, not a lot of quarterbacks in the league can make that throw. Joe Flacco. Um, yeah. I think that's about it. Rodgers, Joe Flacco, Cam. dudes with Cam can make that throw. Dudes with, I mean, cannons for arms can yeah. make that throw. This one. Not so much. The Cardinals, I don't know why they brought pressure. Don't know why they rushed seven. If I'm defending a Hail Mary, I am putting eight guys on the goal line. Eight. I'm rushing one, and I'll have two guys in the middle of the field just in case they do the little 
lateral stuff, and then I'll bring the guys up as that happens. But I am not – I will give Rodgers as much time as he wants to sit back there. They can only do one thing. They can only throw the ball in the end zone. So I'm putting more than half my team in the end zone, maybe my tallest receiver out there. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand how defenses let that happen. I, I don't get it. Here's my thoughts. Here's why I think the Hail Mary is not a luck. Why the Packers, you know, doing this over and over again is not a stroke of luck Two over times. and over. Three, if you count the first one uh, on the same drive where they hit the fourth and 20, that was a 55-yarder, a bit of a Hail Mary. Yeah. Here's why it's not luck. I looked up this online. The Hail Mary has about a 5 to 7% success rate in the NFL. Which is why it's called the Hail Mary. Right. And that throws over 50 yards, you know, and, and it's a desperation throw. Mm-hmm. 5 to 7%. Green Bay is now 3 for 4 this year on those attempts. In fourth quarter situations. Wait, wait, Griff, let me right, make my point. All right, all right. In fourth quarter situations on fourth down, 50 yards plus, average is 5%. They're 3 out of 4. Here's what separates luck from skill in these situations. Strategy and repeatedness. How often are you able to repeat this? And and is this a strategy play or is it luck? When you go golfing and you hit a random hole in one with your friends and you've had a few beers and you're buzzed, that's luck. When you go golfing and you hit the green 15 out of 18 times, uh, you, you have green in regulation. That's skill. Is luck involved? Yes. Luck is always involved. Luck's involved uh, in pretty much every industry. You know, if you're running for president, you need things to go your way. If you're throwing darts, does luck help? Yes. Luck is always involved, and I think it's always a key factor, you know, picking stocks, whatever. But Aaron Rodgers is good at this throw because he has some skills that other quarterbacks don't have. First of all, he evades the rush really well. Mm-hmm. And you need that with a Hail Mary because you need to give your receiver time to get down the field. Mm-hmm. And with all three of those, he does that. He's able to evade the rush, and the guy gets down the field. He then throws a really high deep ball. And, you know, I don't think every quarterback can get the arc that he does. If you look at that original Detroit throw, the ball's like 30 yards in the air. So he gives his guy plenty of time to get under it. So the combo of elusiveness, arm strength, and that cold-bloodedness that he has, I think it makes him perfect for those situations. Um, and I, So for those reasons, I think it is more than luck. I think he has a much better chance than almost any other quarterback in the NFL of completing that throw consistently. I, I would agree with you on that, that, like I said, his skill set fits the Hail Mary perfectly, but I'm not going to sit here and say that Rodgers is the best Hail Mary thrower of all time. I can't say anybody is the best Hail Mary thrower of all time. Doug Flutie did it at Boston College. Great. Did he ever do it again in his career? No. Everybody gets lucky once in a while, and I think Rodgers just happened to get lucky these two times. I think McCarthy did a great job with the play design because if you look at both of them, you had on the first one you had Rodgers trailing slowly down the field away from the mass, which is what oh, the you roll want. out, yeah. Yeah, which is, which is what you want. You want a guy going up, just him and the ball making a play. And the same thing happened with the Janus one, man. I mean, it was him and Patrick Peterson going up for the ball. Yeah. Usually in those situations, quarterbacks throw it down where the whole crowd is and it gets knocked down or the receivers. I mean, P.I. is never going to be called in that situation. Right. So the receivers most of the time get pushed down, get knocked away, ball gets batted down which is usually what happens. I think the Packers did a great job designing a play to give a one-on-one, one-on-two matchup versus a three-receiver, five-defender situation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But 
I still disagree completely that, I don't know, man, Rodgers, he's great at it, threw it up in the air, but he wasn't even looking where he was throwing. He just, he, th- he hailed Mary, and he threw it in the end zone. Here's another thing that makes Rodgers good at this, though. What is Rodgers' greatest strength? He's, he improvs better than any quarterback Game in the managing. NFL. Come on now. He improvs better than any quarterback in the NFL. He loves getting out of the pocket. He loves evading that rush, and he likes havoc. He thrives when things are, are, are crazy, when there's chaos. And a Hail Mary is chaos. It's a really high-pressure moment. Uh, there's not an exact way to draw it up. Those are the things he does well. You know, uh, you look at the original Detroit play. I mean, for the first Hail Mary earlier in the year, he evades like four tackles. He steps mm-hmm. up, throws a bomb. I just, I think that sort of fits his skill set. But, you know, like I said, like you said, luck is always involved. Yeah. So there's absolutely luck involved and Green Bay for those three out of four throws this year, they got pretty lucky. No yeah. doubt. And the receivers made good plays. Let's not oh, yeah. take that away. Both of them went up, got the ball. Jeff Janis, seventh rounder. All right, what college did he go to? Oh, shout my. Out, shout out to JP. He's, is that... not, he's not mine because he's not in the playoffs, but oh. JP wanted me to ask you, your boy Jeff Janis, where did he go? Oh, my God. I don't think it was a Division One school. Um, I knew he ran like a 4-4 at the combo, combine. I think he – oh, my God. I know it was like a directional school, like a southwest – Idaho or a Southwest something, right? I mean, it's not Southwest, but you're pretty close <laughs> with a type of name like that. Like Northwest Montana or something? Saginaw. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Saginaw Valley State University. Oh no God. idea where that is, but yeah. shout out JP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so this is fun with Dick and Jack. Jack, let's get into the pretty much the reason why we're here is the conference championships this weekend. Yes, sir. Uh, two great games coming up on Sunday. There's four teams left. Uh, two teams are going to be left standing in the Super Bowl. Yep. Two field goal games with the spread. That's right. So uh, we decided in life – I mean, in any sort of competition, there's always got to be some great equalizer. In the sports betting world, that's the spread. So pretty much the spread makes it 50-50 shot um, in general. Usually we like one more than the other, but we're going to go ahead and try something else besides me and Jack picking what we like. We'll say what we like, but for right now, we're going to flip a coin, and you want to go heads has... The home team. We'll go heads has home team. Does that sound good? Yeah. So the win- so the whoever pulls heads has to defend the home team's case for for winning this week against the spread. So we'll go with the New England game first. Okay. The so AFC championship. I'll flip. Okay. So if it's heads, you'll you'll have the Patriots because okay. I'll get the Bron- I'll get the home team. Okay. Sound good? If I if I get heads, I have the Patriots. Or if, if the if it's heads, I get the Patriots. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So we'll flip this coin right now. Ready? It's heads. Oh, it never flipped. The coin never flipped. <laughs> the coin never flipped. I saw it myself. All right, give it back. All right. Give it back to me. We'll reflip. All right, here you go. It's heads again. <laughs> yes, so I, I got New England? You have New England. Oh, sweet. Okay. So you can start it off. Bro. All right. I hope I didn't scream too loud into someone's... <laughs> I screamed pretty loud right there. Okay. So New England is minus three on the road in the AFC Championship game. I stole this from Cousin Sal. He's a, he's a guy on Twitter that he's really a good sports better. But in the last 35 years, 
road teams have only been favored three times in the AFC Championship. And every time they've won and they've covered the spread. So that really makes me like New England. Here's some stats on Tom Brady, who's a playoff Jesus. He's 11-5 versus Manning all-time. He's 4-1 in his last five games versus Peyton. He has more touchdowns this year in Denver than Peyton Manning does. That's a lot to do with injury, but still interesting. Brady is 6-3 in the AFC Championship game round. Um, Watching last week, Peyton's arm looked okay against Pittsburgh, but every throw just looks exhausting. Like, he looks like he's putting every ounce of energy into every throw. I would suggest that his wife um, give him some HGH, preferably rectally. I think that's the, the preferred method. He can't throw deep and he can't move around. I think that suits New England well. They have a decent pass rush. I think Belichick is going to do a good job of scheming. And on ESPN, it seems like Denver's becoming a popular pick. Have you noticed that, Griff? Yep. It seems like guys are starting to go with Denver more and more. I really don't see it. I love the Pats. Um, again, I go to my whole, when you're betting sports, pretend like there's a gun to your head and you have to make a decision. And I feel much better with my life on the line on the Patriots than Denver. I'll say Belichick out coaches Kubiak and, and Brady out throws Manning and the Patriots win 31-14. to All right. Well, as you know, I mean, I like the Patriots, but so I got, I lost the coin toss apparently. That's right. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and defend Denver. If I were to bet on Denver, it is because of two things, home field advantage and defense, all right? I mean, I'm scared as hell going up against Brady and Belichick, but Brady hasn't played well in Denver throughout his career. He struggled in that high altitude. It's true. Another reason why I would be confident betting against Denver, everybody and their mother is expecting New England to blow them out. After that Denver game last week, um, we were watching together, and we looked at the spread right after the game of this game coming up. Yeah. And we were expecting, what, a four-point, five-point? Yeah, I thought about four-and-a-half or five. Yeah, so we we figured it was going to be high, and it, we saw it opened up at two-and-a-half, jumped up to three, and in some sports books, it's up to four right now. Um, but William Hill, which is like the sports book of Vegas and up here as well, like yeah, all most, the casinos. most popular book. Most popular book. They're keeping it at three, and I was really curious as to why they have it at three still. And I found this article um, basically explaining uh, Jason Simbal. He is kind of behind it with CG technology. They work with William Hill uh, with the spreads. And he was quoted saying, part of the reason why we have such a good price on the Patriots is because of our futures book. We're kind of in a bad spot with the Broncos and the futures and good with the Pats. So we're making that price favorable on New England to draw some action and help limit that liability. So basically what he's saying is they've got a lot of money on the Broncos for the futures bets to, to win, win to yeah. win the Super Bowl yeah. or to win the this game, to right. win the AFC Championship, basically. Right. So they are pretty much hedging their bet, yeah. which for those who don't know what hedging your bet is, it's basically you have money on one team um, for, like, the futures. So basically I have $40 on the Patriots to win the Super Bowl, so if they make it there, I might go throw – 80 bucks on the Panthers to win the Super Bowl. So that way I'm winning 100 bucks either way. Yeah, you protect so, your losses. Exactly. So I found that super interesting. Another thing I found really interesting is which I would be – I'm terrified to bet this game. I'm not going to touch this game just because it's, it's Peyton, Brady. Those are always classics. 
This is going to be the last one ever. Think about that for a second. This is going to be the last time we see Peyton Manning against Tom Brady. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. I feel like we grew up watching this rivalry. Yeah. But um, I heard a lot of the books, they're terrified to make that three and a half because they know they feel like a lot of the public's money is on, on the Patriots minus three. A lot of it. And they're, they're terrified to move it up to three and a half because the professionals are going to take that right away. Broncos three and a half. And that'll be a field goal game, and they'll get screwed out of that half a point. I don't know, man. I I can definitely see Patriots winning by three or less. I think the Patriots win, but the Broncos have a very good shot at covering. Here's some other interesting stats about this for, for Denver's angle. Brady hasn't beaten Manning in the playoffs since 2005. Wow. Isn't that crazy? There, He's 3-3. Three and three on the road in the playoffs, uh, Brady is, and he's two and two against Manning. He's two and six in Denver all time. That's the worst win percentage uh, of more than one game in an away stadium. Uh, Denver beat Brady or Denver beat New England earlier this year, but there was a ton of injuries for both teams. Yeah, Denver's got the number one pass defense in the NFL, which is big yeah. against going in, against New England. Two hundred yards a game. Uh, the weather's supposed to be decent. Fifty degrees at tip off or at kickoff. Excuse me. Hmm. Uh, Patriots have sixteen players questionable, including. Chandler Jones and uh, Adam Schefter is reporting that apparently Chandler Jones smoked spice again. He relapsed. He this did time, it again. This time he seshed with Tom Brady and Belichick. <laughs> they all seshed together. That was Schefter reporting that. So, I thought you were being serious for a second. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> oh, here's the most interesting one. This will be the last stat on this Denver 7 and 0 with Cleet Blakeman as their quarterback. Not Connor Blakeman, Cleet Blakeman as their quarterback. Denver is seven and zero as their quarterback. As, excuse me, as the referee. Oh, Cleet okay. Blakeman is a referee, and Denver is seven and zero when he is the referee. I actually saw that earlier. That's Isn't that interesting. A, that's interesting. So yeah. maybe a little uh, money under the table for Mr. Blakeman. There you go. All right, man. Let's move on to this next game. <clears throat> yeah. The NFC Championship. We got Arizona going into Carolina. Another field goal game. Carolina minus three. We'll, we'll do. We'll flip the coin again. Yeah, sure. All right. So this time here, flip it on the table, so we can. Uh, Okay, so uh, same same rules apply. Yeah, heads heads. I get the home team, right? No, yeah, no away team. Heads yeah. is the away team. Okay. Yeah, okay. heads. You okay. get away team. Okay. It is it is heads. It is heads. So you have Arizona. You got Arizona. Shit. All right. I really hate Arizona. You want me to go? <laughs> uh, yeah. You go ahead. Get Since Carolina. I got the the cakewalk, go Carolina ahead. minus three. I love it. I mean, you got Cam Newton, which, by the way, a lot of people hate this guy. I don't, I don't really get it. A lot of people hate this guy. Just at work today, these three rednecks were sitting there. And, like, working in the service industry, you hear a lot of conversations, which is it's entertaining. But at the same time, sometimes you just want to jump in and call somebody a retard. Like, basically, these guys were sitting there talking. They are talking to NFC Championship, and – this guy, I walk by and I hear him say, there's not a player that I hate more in the NFL than Cam Newton. And I'm like, are you serious, dude? Like, I wanted just to ask him why. I wanted to get his reasoning. Is it because he's amazing? Is it because he dances after he scores a touchdown? Is it because he makes a kid's day every time he scores a touchdown? I don't get how people hate this guy. I think it's because, one, he's really good looking. Yeah. And I think, you know, 
a lot of guys' girlfriends like him. A lot of guys' sisters but and moms like him. But the same with like Tom him. Brady. And people he love smiles, Tom Brady. He dances. He celebrates. He knows how good he is. And he's cocky. He's but confident. But do you think it's a race thing? Like, Yeah, I think it's a little bit racial. I think he's black, and I think that makes people uncomfortable that he's so successful and that he does well and that he's good-looking and that he has all this going for him. I think it's definitely a, a factor. That just, I don't know, man. That makes... No, I agree with a, you. When people get offended by his dancing, like... Rogers would do the right. the discount double check. People are like, "Oh, let's make a commercial about it." And right. Cam Newton does his celebration. I mean, like he's in commercials, but at the same time, people get so worked up about it. It's like, dude, chill out. Like he's yeah, he's celebrating his success. But anyways, back on yeah to why I like Carolina. Do you see the weather on the East Coast right now? Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. It, it is crazy. It's there, like thirty inches on the some parts of the East Coast. Yeah, it's it. There is going to be a lot of snow on that field. Carolina knows how to play on their field. Arizona, a dome team from Arizona, is going on the road to play in a winter wonderland game. Yeah. Just doesn't look good, man. Carolina showed out last week. They they were amazing. In the first, literally the first 10 minutes of watching that game, I was like, Carolina is the best team in the NFL right now. They kind of slowed down at the end. Second half, people are like, oh, this is the real Panthers showing up in the second half. No, they were trying to play really conservative to run the clock out. They let Seattle back in the game a little bit, but no worries. I don't think they were honestly ever worried that they were giving that game away. Yeah. Here's some other stuff for Carolina. I mean, they have the second-best rushing offense in the NFL. That does well in the snow. Mm -hmm. By the way, it's supposed to be 35 degrees at game time, 21 degrees in the fourth quarter. But second-best rushing offense in the NFL for Carolina, number one scoring offense. Here's two things they do really well that championship teams do well. They, they're really good in the red zone. They score touchdowns on mm-hmm. 70% of trips to the red zone. That's first in the NFL. And they have a plus-20 turnover differential, which is insane. The next-best team is f- uh, plus-14. That's really an underrated stat. Yeah. 24 picks, 15 fumble recoveries. So they, turn, they get turnovers. And I think Palmer sort of looked loose last week against Green Bay. Uh, It's that that bangle in him, man. He's still got a little bangle in him. Absolutely. Home teams in the NFC are 29-16 and in this round. Really? um, I'm with you. I do like Carolina minus three. But But tell me why you like Arizona. I'll make a case for Arizona plus three. I'll use the salesman in me. So Bruce Arians is the number one reason I would bet on Arizona. Absolutely. He's the second best coach in football, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, behind Belichick. Really, I mean, if you watch that Green Bay game, his play calling was really creative last week. Yeah. Um, He... Just, you, that, just that shovel play to end the game to Larry Fitz. Did you hear like, about the shovel play? He created that play like three years ago. First time he's ever used it. He said they practice it multiple times every week. He was just waiting for the perfect time to call it for Fitzgerald. I thought that was sort of poetic. That's amazing. I know. Wow. Um, they have the second best pass offense, eighth, eighth best rush offense. Um, they defend the run pretty well. Carolina, obviously, that's a strength of theirs. So yeah. They have a lot of weapons. They have a lot of speed. David Johnson's a good running back. Palmer's now 36 years old. He's probably got two years, maybe one after this year. This might be his last chance to win one. Maybe he's got some magic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, and I I could see Arizona breaking off a couple plays, just big plays. That's their key. John Brown, they need to get that boy the ball because he's a playmaker. I can see him. Carolina's not very good against big plays. They do give up their share of big plays. So if Arizona can knock off a couple, who knows, man? You never know. It's it's a trip to the Super Bowl on the line. I know. Teams show up. But say, so so you're saying you like Carolina? Uh, even though you just defended I like Arizona. Carolina money line. 
which is what I bet this week. Okay. I bet New England minus three, and I bet Carolina money line. I think it's a re- this game was harder for me because neither of these quarterbacks have playoff experience, and neither of these coaches have playoff experience. So yeah. I'll go Carolina twenty-seven, twenty-six. Not crazy about that. Not so you know. I don't feel great about it, but I'll say Carolina by one. Okay. Alright, so this is Fun with Dick and Jack. Once again, I'm Chris Blake. My friend Jack Rieger's right here. Jack, let's talk about some uh, some fresh news that just came out this morning. You had texted me this while I was at work, and I was amazed. I think I texted you back like, wow, in all capital letters. This is shocking to me. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Cleveland, Clavi- Cleveland Cavaliers, you know. Cleveland. Easy for you to say. Easy for you to say. Fired their coach, David Blatt. Yep, that's what right. The fuck? Yeah, I was really Part shocked. Of my French. I'm sorry, mom. Yeah, I should probably bleep that. Um, I was surprised. 83 and 40. Uh, Blatt's tenure in Cleveland, best record in the East. Went to the finals last year. Won two games without their second and third best player in the finals. Uh, he's the seventh coach in the last 40 years to be fired after reaching the finals. Um, to me, it kind of like, it kind of summarizes. Cleveland as an organization and what they value. Think about Miami when LeBron was in Miami um, and they struggled that first year. I think they started out 9-7. and seven. They didn't win in the finals their first year. The, Spolstra was constantly on the trading block, you know, rumors. And, and they always stood by Spolstra. Pat Riley always stood by him. They always said, we have no plans of getting rid of him. I think that says that is the difference between Miami and Cleveland. Miami is a well-oiled, well-run organization, and Cleveland is <clears throat> um, they're a little bit less patient. They're obviously less successful. I don't think they have as great of a general manager or as great of a um, leadership. So you know they're quicker to act on these types of things. They're thirty and eleven. Yeah, and first in the Eastern Conference. I don't get this firing. Um, but the more and more I read about it, I feel like LeBron came out and said he had nothing to do with the decision. That's I'm going to call bullshit on that. I'm sure LeBron was the first guy they talked to about this. I actually saw this article just now looking at it. it says that LeBron and his agent wanted Tyrone Liu, the assistant coach, who is now the head coach of the Cavs. They wanted him since last season to be the head coach. I guess the players just relate to him better. They... They go to him when they have problems. So, I mean, I feel like this is, this was a long time coming for David Blatt. Um, but I feel like the reason he got fired is because they can't beat the Warriors. And the Cavs ownership is looking at that as they we are going to be matched up with them in the finals and we need to find a way to beat them. And so even though we're 30-11, and 11, we just beat the Clippers by 15 they're saying we still need to change. We need to beat the Warriors. And I think the Cavs are going to respond to it well, man. I mean, look at UNLV. Really? They fired Dave Rice. They've won three straight big games. I mean, they're coming here this weekend, yeah. Saturday. Hopefully we get a W. But I think the Cavs players respond well to this. Yeah, but here's the difference between college coaching and NBA coaching. I don't even know if this is a big deal. Like, you look at the Warriors, what they've done without Steve Kerr and what they did with Luke Walton – it, it, they didn't miss a beat, you know what I mean? They haven't blinked without Kerr. So does this coaching move, I mean, how significant is it? See, this is the problem you have when you have a guy as powerful as LeBron James on your team. 
And you know, to say that he didn't, he wasn't consulted on that is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Obviously, he's consulted. He's the face of the NBA. He's the face of that city. With all the power that LeBron has, he has the authority to get a coach out of the out of the. You know, he has the ability to get a coach fired because Dan Gilbert and all that ownership, the ownership team of Cleveland, is going to listen to him. That's a pretty big move to make Tyron Lue, not having coached a single game in the NBA as a head coach. Give him a three-year deal. Yeah, Tyron Lue. He was the he's a director of basketball development in Boston for two years. He was an assistant coach in, for the Clippers for two years. They signed him to a three-year deal. Yeah, without blinking. I, obviously, he's well respected by his team, or this wouldn't have happened. But I think the turning point was that forty-point loss to Golden State a couple yeah. of days ago. And also, I think what kind of hurt David Blatt he was he was never able to really find a way to utilize Kevin Love and optimize Kevin Love. Um, in or Mozgov, they, their team just I doesn't think they're work. Just, they're just underperforming, man. There's you can you can blame the coach as much as you want, but the players got to play. You know what I mean? Kevin Love was getting wide open threes, which is how you utilize that guy. Get him off the pick and roll, pick and pop. I don't know. I feel like this this firing was kind of to kind of just jumpstart the team, as you said, with Steve Kerr um, and Luke Walton taking over. I think the Cavs ownership wanted a player's coach that all the players liked and went to. And since they let David Black go, the Cavs are playing for their favorite coach now. So I think the ownership is looking at that like, well, now they're going to be more motivated. And who knows? I mean, this might buy them a ring or it could be a total disaster. Yeah, I think I think you made a good point. They look at Golden State and San Antonio, and they tell themselves, well, we have to beat them if yeah. we want to win a ring. And they're not beating them right now. No, absolutely not. Even with Kyrie and LeBron, And, and LeBron knows that. He came out and said the other day, I don't think we are a good team right now. Yeah, well, but is the answer to that firing your coach? I don't know. Well, what else do you do? I, I think you've you, got to make trades. Trade? I think you deal Mozgov, you get smaller, and you get faster. Because you can't play Mozgov against Golden State. They don't. He doesn't match up on a five. And you have too many guys that are big guys. You have too many Mozgovs and Verjaus and Tristan Thompsons. I think you need more guards. I think they need a, a wing scorer. I disagree. Th- they have Kyrie. They have Amon. They have K-Love able to stretch the court. They've got uh, J.R. Smith, one of the best scorers. I mean, they've got Del Vadova. They've got guards. They've got quick guys. They don't have very many big guys. So I feel like hanging on to Mozgov, who had a great playoffs last year, He's he's really playing awful right now, but he had a great playoffs last year. Verjao is always pretty good. I mean, you need big guys on your team still um, to go up against the Bogut's, the Azili's. You know what I mean? Like the role players to bang inside. LeBron needs to play better. Kyrie needs to play better. Kevin Love needs to play way better. And I think they view this as their best shot. I mean, who who are you going to trade? They're not going to get rid of Jr could potentially trade him on. I saw a thing about Markeith Morris possibly wanting to come. Yeah, which would, that would be nice. That He's would be stretched. nice for them. But that, I, th- I feel like this is the best move for the Cavs to try and get that fire underneath their ass to push him yeah. towards the championship. It does look like David Blatt was a scapegoat for, for, the, absolutely. for the team's And he problems. knows that. He knows that right now. He yeah. knows. I feel bad for him. It, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's not completely his fault, but as a coach in the NBA, you know when you're not beating the teams that – you need to beat to get a ring, you're the first one out. And I think he knows that. I think they made the right call. Uh, 
All right, this is Fun with Dick and Jack. I'm Chris Blake here with my friend Jack Rieger. Let's get into our favorite segment, Where'd That Guy Go to College? That's right. Current standings are Jack Rieger is in the lead. Four and two is his record. I am three and three, even keel, 500. We're about to tie that up today. Well, I disagree, but I will begin. He is a fifth-round draft pick from a few years ago Mm -hmm. by the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was released and signed by the Denver Broncos. He's a linebacker, undersized at 6-1, second on the team in tackles. He is Brandon Marshall. Where did he go to college? Did he not go here? He went to Nevada, didn't he? Yeah, he he did. I was was seeing if I could get one by you. Nah, son. Actually, he uh, grew up in Vegas, went to Cimarron. Brandon Marshall, yeah. Second on the team in tackles, went to Nevada. Hmm. Probably the best Nevada pro right now. All right, so mine for you. Are you ready for mine? Yeah, sure. Colin Ditsworth, shouts out. Oh, Jesus. He was on your fantasy team this year. He is the little speedster that I said they need to get the ball to more. He is John Brown. Pittsburgh State. You looked Let's it up, go. didn't you? You knew that. Yeah, I knew that. I All looked right, it up. A bonus point for where Pittsburgh State is. <laughs> uh, Pennsylvania? Nope. <laughs> Kansas. What? <laughs> I swear. Are you serious? I swear. <laughs> That's like Kansas City being in Missouri. Yeah, so weird. Are you kidding All me? All right, good job, buddy. Yeah, I, I honestly like that one. Go with the next one. Okay, another small guy for me. Um, first round pick, 13th overall, I believe in 2009. Mm-hmm. A pro bowler. He was uh, a track star in college and in high school. He is Jonathan Stewart. Where did he go to college? Hmm. The running back for the Carolina yeah. Panthers. He was a track star too. Is it a bigger college? Yeah, it's a good football school. Jonathan um, Stewart. Think about where. What really, year? Wait, what year did he get drafted? Uh, I want to say two thousand eight or two thousand seven. Uh, maybe even earlier. He's a little a bit older. Think about a school that produces really fast running backs. Really good skill guys. West Coast. Is it USC? No, but decent guess. Same conference. What? No. Arizona State? No. Better football school. UCLA. Best football school in the Pac-12. Stanford? Oregon. See, I was going to say, did he really go to Oregon? Yeah, he went to Oregon. 13th overall pick, pro bowler. No shit. Yeah. John Stewart. Wow. Stumped me on that one. I'm yes, done. Sir. Insider so, Joe and uh, JP are going to be mad at me on that one, probably. Yeah, they will. <laughs> Shout out. All right, my last one. Okay. David Johnson. Northern Iowa. You're looking all <laughs> – are you just studying these rosters? Let's go, boy. And, damn, son. No, I just – I did look that one up uh, a couple weeks ago. What can I say, Griff? I'm like the guy from A Beautiful Mind. I just have this stuff in my brain. Unfortunately, it contributes to nothing productive in my life besides beating you in this game. All right, so Jack is now 6-2. and I am still 500, 4-4. That's right. I'm going to get you one of these days. Yeah, good luck. I need to find, like, a linebacker or something. I'm I'm mad I didn't get Jonathan Stewart. Yeah, I honestly thought you would. All right, this has been fun with Dick and Jack. I'm Chris Blake and Jack Rieger. I'm still a little salty about missing Jonathan Stewart, but yeah. I'll get over it. 
Uh, it's been a good episode this week. Enjoy the games this weekend, and uh, I feel like you should really pay attention to that Peyton and Tom Brady because you're watching history for the final time, and it'll be sad, but Brady's going to whoop that ass he will. one more time. Peyton's going to be at home next week singing, Chicken barm, you taste so good. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure to bet responsibly. Yeah. All right. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us individually. I'm at the Chris Blake or follow my friend Jack at Jack Rieger. Um, or you can follow our podcast at Fun with DNJ. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. We are up on iTunes. So you actually have a podcast app on your phone that you can click and search Fun with Dick and Jack, and our episodes are right there. So go ahead, subscribe. 100 subscriptions. Jack Rieger's running around campus naked. That's true. We'll see you guys next time. Show. At least we stole the show. At least we stole the show.